Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Detox, Out with the Old, In with the New. In this series, Dr. Kelly is teaching us how to get rid of the old junk in our lives and make room for the new life that God has for us. Now here's Dr. Benji Kelly with today's podcast. How are we doing at all of our campuses, church? How are we doing today? Huh? A country boy can survive, right? How many of you, how many of you would admit that maybe you didn't know that song? Really? Wow, that, that, that's, that's an old classic country boy. In fact, my boys and I, we were at the lake just two days ago cooking in the woods on a, on a little grill, if you will, cooking brats because they love brats, and we were singing A Country Boy Can Survive. That is just a part of uh, Southern culture. And would you just give it up, because all of our campuses just experienced that. Would you just give it up for all of those folks? Again, it's unbelievable. Glad you guys are here today. Welcome to Coffee House. Hey, Coffee House is doing two worship celebrations today, starting today. We're excited about that. Want to give it up for the Garner Campus, Sanford Campus, North Raleigh Campus, Columbia Campus, NCCIW, the Internet Campus that shows every Sunday night at 8 p.m. and then throughout the week, and our Kenya Campus. And for those of you here at the Durham Campus, welcome one, welcome all. We are glad you are here. You guys ready for the word? Well, let's go get it. Let's go get it. Won't you just, uh, won't you just stand in honor of God's word today? Looking at James chapter three, I'm going to start with verse three and we're going to read through verse 18. It's a longer passage of scripture, but listen, listen, listen closely to what God's word would say to us today. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Listen to this next verse. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility. That comes from wisdom, verse 14. But if you harbor bitter 
envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap in righteousness. This is the Word of God for all of us at all of our campuses, for the people of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you. We ask that you speak to us today. Through your word, we want to hear from you. Be glorified this day. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and fill with them. Take my lips, Lord God, and speak through them. For if you do not speak today, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, Amen. You can be seated. A few weeks ago, we were in a recap meeting. Recap is when we evaluate what we do here on Sundays. And and I'm talking to the entire group about this series, Detox. And somebody in the group asked me, hey, are you going to use any of Craig Rochelle's work in Soul Detox? And I said, I haven't read it. I don't know. Let me go read it. And I read it. And I want to let you know that it is absolutely incredible And I want to let you know it is in the Resource Center, Soul Detox. I will be pulling some stuff from this work. And if you have not read this book, I encourage you to go to the Resource Center today and pick one up. Today, I would like to talk to you about the power of words. The power of what? Words. As I live out my life and ministry in the real world, as I listen To the television and the radio, I must tell you that I believe this topic of detoxing our mouths is incredibly relevant and important for the community, for the culture, but also for the church. And I want to let you know, before I start talking about language... And what we do with our mouths, I want to actually have a moment of confession and let you know that I am a recovering cusser. Like, well, I used to go to AA too, but that was like 20-something years ago. But hey, when you're in AA, for those of you who know AA or NA, you start out, whenever you're going to say something, you say, my name is blank and I'm a recovering alcoholic. My name is Benji. And I am a recovering. (laughs) I love this church. You guys might have missed that at the campuses, but I said my name is Benji, and some of them said, hi, Benji. What they don't realize is they said it too quickly. They didn't let me get out of my mouth. I am a recovering cusser. And then you're supposed to say, 
Yeah, I am, man. I am. And I'm not proud of it. Um, I need to let you know that, man, I came from a, of a, from a subculture and a context. Y'all know, most, most of y'all know my story. And listen, I, I, just, I just cuss like a sailor. I mean, I, 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 I think you could put me up against anybody. And I could have strung together masterfully, by the way, <laughs> some four-letter words like you have never, ever heard. And then I had a head-on collision with Jesus at the age of 18 years old, and he wrecked my life and saved my soul. But some of you know this. Once you get saved, you still got a lot of cleaning up to do. See, some of you came to Jesus, and you thought the moment you got saved, everything was just going to be glorious. And then you learned the hard way. It doesn't work that way. Right, and so I, I, I start trying to clean up my act. And if you're if you're a recovering cusser, you know there are very few habits harder to break than cussing. So I started cleaning it up, but it took me a long time. And when I say a long time, just so you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking like you know probably a decade, maybe even longer. And I got better and better and better every single day and every single year. But I'm telling you, it's hard. So I came to Duke Divinity School, and I met my wife. And, and my wife, I, I'm not sure she's ever said a cuss word until, until she met me. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> and, and so I met my wife, and, and we're, we're dating, and we're hitting it off, and it's all good. And, and back then, just like now, I like, I'm a big Duke basketball fan. And so I figured out very, very quickly, you've got two options in life as a, as a Duke student. You can go and camp out all the time and put your name in a kind of lottery and have a very slim chance of getting a ticket, or you can work on a committee that puts on the campouts, and you can get a ticket to every game. Now, I believe in working smarter than harder. So what do you think I did? I got on the committee. And so I got a ticket to every single Duke basketball game for six years. I went there a long time. I did two masters. So for six years. And so for six years, Amy Lynn and I would go to Duke basketball games. And one night we were playing Maryland. Stinking Terrapins. Terps. What, what is that? You got a turtle for your mascot? And I... Can you say you hate something as a Christian? I hated Maryland. And the reason I hated them is not because that silly old mascot you got. I hated them because they figured out, Duke, in Maryland, of all the ACC teams, they gave us the hardest time. You know this. I mean, Carolina too. But, but Maryland, Maryland could give Duke a hard time. So quick story. One night we're at a Maryland game, and the game is, is, is close, and the officials made some questionable calls, you know. That's what we all say, right? And it was a buzzer beater, and Maryland beat Duke. And there I was, all caught up in the moment. And I felt, I felt some cuss words. <laughs> they started to form back here. In my, in the stem of my brain. And I, you, ever, you ever had that, you ever had this happen? You feel them coming. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming. And you can't stop them. And so I let out the longest run-on sentence of despicable cuss words any human being has ever said. And then I looked 
and there was my wife <laughs> looking at me as if to say, and you're going to be a pastor? I apologized, and I've been a recovering cusser ever since. And I've come so far. I don't have a problem with cussing anymore. Come on, somebody, somebody should give me, since I'm laying it out, give me some love. Give me some love, right? 25 years of following, I haven't been a cusser in a decade. No, just for transparency. I can still think some with the best of you, but I don't say them. And I want to talk to you today about the power of words. And it's far deeper than just cuss words. I want to talk to you today about the unbelievable power of words. James said it's like a rudder on a ship. A ship, a huge ship can be going and it can be turned simply by a small rudder. James says that little piece of a flesh in your mouth called your tongue is as powerful as a spark that can light an entire forest on fire. That little mantra that we used to yell out as first and second graders, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never what? That is a lie. Just because we spoke it, just because we sang it, does not mean that it is true. Words, like a neutron bomb, which annihilates human life but leaves buildings intact, words can devastate. Your body may remain unharmed, but your heart suffers the deadly shrapnel of words spoken in haste and spoken incorrectly. To this day, I can still remember the harmful things that were spoken to me as a young person. And guess what? All of those harmful things that I have spoken to other people in my life, they still recall. Whether or not you are 17 or 70 today, I am sure you can recall, come on, the pain of someone's harsh words scalding your soul. Maybe you've heard phrases like I've heard. I wish I never gave birth to you. You'll never amount to anything. You make me sick. You can't change. You're just white trash or black trash or brown trash, whatever works in your world. I wish you would die and burn in hell. And if you've heard those kinds of words as I did on a regular basis, you know that your soul is scalded and the scar tissue runs deep. 
But hear me, child of God. I've come by to let you know that there is a balm in Gilead that can soothe the sin-sick soul. Amen. I came by to let you know that ours is a God who has a way of soothing out our souls. And so if you are here and you've had those kinds of phrases, and there are many others, spoken over you, or you can't control your tongue and you speak harmful words to others, I believe God wants to wash out your mouth today with his holy word. The Bible says this in Proverbs 18.21. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Proverbs 18.21. Ready? Go. The tongue has the power of life and death. Again, church, the tongue has the power of life and death. That's a really good verse of scripture. You know why? Because it reminds every single one of us that with our tongue, we can choose to give life to others, to build them up, or unfortunately, many choose to tear people down. The biggest muscle in your body, dads and dads, I got to say, you guys are cold chilling in the recliners. And they got them at all the campuses too. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Hey, dads, the biggest muscle in your body is not your bicep. It's not your quadricep. The biggest muscle in your body, dads, Moms, men, women, children, students, is that flappable tongue in your mouth. You have the power to build people up. Dads, you have the power to speak life into your children or death. The question becomes how are you going? use. I mean, if you ever thought about this, words are so powerful. When God decided to create the universe, go back and read Genesis. When God decided to create it, create it all, you know how he created it? He spoke it into existence with words. Hurtful words crush. Helpful words build up. Toxic words poison. Soothing words heal. Faith-filled words bring life. Faithless words bring death. Creative words create. Destructive words destroy. So what do you say we start the detox? Like right now. Detox. Power of words. If you're a note taker, grab your teaching notes Right in front of you, here is the first thing I would say to you today. If you are going to detox your mouth, you need to monitor your mouth. You need to what, church? Monitor your mouth. Now, this is all Kelly family right here. We've been using that phrase for the last three to four months with a child. We're not going to tell you which child because some of you will go say something to him. And he's definitely not a cusser, Lord no. But we're trying to teach. He's just kind of unfiltered. You ever got a child just unfiltered? There's just no filter. It says anything he wants to say, and he just it just comes out. And so what we're saying to him on a regular basis: monitor your mouth. He hates it. Monitor your mouth. He can't stay. It's, it's the worst thing he 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 hears these days. He weeps and gnashes his teeth when we say monitor your mouth. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say monitor your mouth. 
Now, some of you said it too. You said it too. No, no, not monitor your mouth. Monitor your mouth. You, 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 now, you look at the other neighbor and say, ready, ready, go. Monitor your mouth. That's right. Monitor your mouth. Now, now, you might automatically think that monitoring your mouth is about what happens here. What happens here is only a reflection of what happens inside here. Did you hear me? Monitoring your mouth is not an outside-in thing. It is an inside-out thing. Monitor your mouth is understanding that what comes out of a person's mouth is simply a reflection of what is inside that person's soul. Jesus would speak about this in Matthew 12, and James just kind of spoke about it. But go read Matthew 12 later on your own. Jesus talks about good and bad fruit, and he says, hey, good fruit can't come from a bad tree, and bad fruit can't come from a good tree. Some of you, more than anything today, need to understand what I had to understand early on is when you use your mouth to cuss or to curse people, or to curse things. When you use your mouth to destroy people and knock them down instead of build them up, what most of us need to just realize first and foremost is that that is a sin. See, I think in the church today, we've lost sight of the fact that sin grieves the heart of God. And as you do some soul work on the inside, the best thing you can do in terms of your language is understand that when you speak like a sailor, when you tear a spouse or a child down or a colleague, when you speak destructive, death-giving words, it is sin that needs to be confessed, that needs to be repented of so that God can continue to wash out our mouths with the soap of God's cleansing word. Are you with me? I think as a church in the 21st century, if I worry most about anything in the church, and I do worry about a lot of things in the church today, the universal church, but the church in the Western world in the 21st century, I believe we've lost sight of what sin is. And I believe we've become so kind of laissez-faire with this thing. We've become so cool, right? We've become so hip in our little postmodern contemporary churches, and everything's cool, and everything's fun. But we, if we're not careful, we will forget that sin still grieves the heart of God, and that if I fall short of sin, instead of Jesus being my little chub, you know, my homeboy. Jesus isn't your homeboy. He isn't your chub, right? He is the Lord of the universe. He is Messiah. He is King. He is Savior of all the world. And when I sin... I grieve the heart of a God who died on a bloodstained cross that I might be forgiven. We've forgotten sin. And maybe it's a maybe we've just swung the pendulum, you know, the, all, the, all, the, all the old church used to do is talk about sin, yell at sin. Everybody was mean. Everybody had, you know, blood vessels popping out of their neck. 
There was no joy, right? So maybe the contemporary church has just swung the pendulum too far. We want to be a place of joy, amen? We want to be a place of laughter, amen? We want to be a place that connects and is relevant. But let us not forget that sin is still sin. And one of the most tempting ways in which we sin, come on, church, is with this flappable tongue inside of our mouths. And I'm just so thankful that, that God has the power and, and the ability to clean it up. Amen? He can clean up your tongue, clean up your mouth, get you to form new habits. Here's the second thing if you're a note taker. Oh, this is huge. Because I just talked about what we do, we have to monitor our mouth. Amen? But guess what? Many of you are like me and you've had words spoken against you. I would be so remiss if I did a message on the tongue but I didn't talk to you about the damage that some people have done to your heart and your soul. So you, some of you need to hear this. Here's the second thing. Write it down. Ignore your critics. Oh, 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 oh. Ignore your what? Ignore your critics. First, we have to do business on the inside and we have to monitor our mouths. That's about what we speak. But secondly, we've got to learn to ignore our critics. I'm, I'm convinced that one of the danger areas of, of us today is that we, we pay attention to the wrong people. And we let people shape our futures by the words that they say. There are critics in your life. And if you're ever going to amount to anything great, if you're going to ever succeed in any area, be it the home or the workplace, you are going to encounter critics. The question is, what do you do with those who speak harmful words over your life? Go back to the Old Testament. You guys remember Joshua and Caleb? Remember God's taking the people into the Holy Land, right? Into the promised land. How many spies does he send out? Huh? 12 spies, right? 10 of them come back. And what do they say? Oh, the giants are big and we're small. Even said, even said we're like grasshoppers. They had a grasshopper mentality. But it was the majority report. The majority report came back and said, we can't take them. They're big. We look so small. Notice the perspective. Joshua and Caleb came back and in verse 30 of chapter 30, 13 in the book of Numbers, they say this, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Notice the perspective. They looked at the enemies and they said, they're small and we're big. The critics looked at the enemies and they said, they're big and we're small. The majority report came back as a bunch of critics and cowards. The minority report, namely Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we can certainly do it. I need to let you know, beloved, that if you are going to soar to any level of greatness in your life, be it your educational career, be it your vocational life, be it your marriage life, be it parenting dads. You are going to have to understand that the majority report of critics will come your way. 
You are going to have to understand in the words of Jesus that broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. You can read that later as well. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, the Bible says this, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what church? Destruction. And many enter through it. But what? But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And what? And what? Only a few find it. You're going to have to learn to ignore your critics. Some of you will have to learn to ignore not necessarily your critics, but those who are supposed to really love you. Some of the most harmful words some of you have ever experienced, you've experienced from those who were supposed to raise you. So if I'm going to talk to you today about ignoring your critics, I need to take a moment and go down a little side road, if you will, and allow me to just speak to you about which ones you are to ignore. Because if you're not careful, some of you will take that and you will just start, <laughs> you'll just start ignoring everybody. And that's a dangerous, slippery slope. So let me talk to you about three different groups of people. The first one, the first group you might call your supporters. As you try to, to do anything in life, you're going to have your supporters. Thanks be to God for those who support us. Amen? Now, when your supporters give you some constructive criticism and they start speaking into your life, what do you think you should do? You should listen. Listen to your supporters. I love my supporters. I surround myself with supporters. I, I have people who speak into my life on a regular basis, people in this church, people outside of this church. We need to listen to the voices of the supporters. There's a second group, though, that you should listen to. I call them the objectors. The what? The objectors. Write it in. You want to stay open and listen to the words of objectors. They're, they're not necessarily your supporters, but they are, they're ones that you know genuinely care about you or at least what you're trying to do. Objectors are good. They might not be your best friends. They might not be your supporters. But you know at the end of the day, it's not that they like you or dislike you. They just object to what you're doing. They object to your methodology. They object to your approach. Yeah, they just object. I believe you need to hear out your objectors. Just, just hear them out. Consider their words. But here's the third group that I'm telling you to ignore. I'm going to call them trolls. I'm going to call them what? Trolls. You ignore a flipping troll in the name of Jesus. You ignore them. They hide out under bridges. They hide behind bushes. They hide behind your car. They want to get up in your head. They are trolls and you know it and you need to ignore them in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't engage them. The moment you engage a troll, you give them credibility. You ignore them. 
Social media <laughs> has brought out the trolls. By the way, I, I, I didn't even plan to do this. I need to do this again. I've received three emails this week from folks letting me know that there are imposters out there using my name and Facebook and contacting you and trying to minister to you in words that I would never use, saying things I would never say, and then at the end of it all, asking you for money. So I need to look in the camera and say to all of the campuses, the television crowd, the internet campus, two things you need to know. Number one, I don't ask for friends on Facebook. I don't do it. Nor do I ever, ever, ever solicit money online. So when somebody does that, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do with them? Ignore them. Click delete. Let Facebook know it is a phony, but I digress for just a moment. You have to ignore trolls, and they are all over social media. They're in your neighborhoods. They might be around you at work. You ignore them. Do not engage in that mess. In fact, you think the word of the Lord doesn't speak to us. It does throughout 2 Timothy 2.16. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become what? What's that first word? Just avoid it. Ignore it. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the great message translation. He says this, stay clear of empty words, empty pious words. They accumulate like what church? Like what? Oh my word. Poison where? In the soul, you just ignore the critics. Listen to me closely. If you are going to make a difference in this world, trolls, I mean critics, will nip at your ankles and they will criticize every move you make. Listen, if you haven't figured this out yet, you need to know it. Everybody has an opinion about your life. You have to learn to ignore the opinions of the trolls. This has taken me a long time to figure out because I'm a fighter by nature. But listen, some fights you win by not showing up. You don't even engage it. If it's a family member, if it's a neighbor or a colleague or just somebody you happen to know and all they do is try to speak negativity over your life. All they do is try to bring you down. All they do is try to destroy you. You have to grow, if you will, a tough skin and you have to learn to ignore them in the name of Jesus, stiff arm them and realize that some fights you win by never even showing up. Arguing with ignorance is, well, ignorant. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't think pastors should talk like that. <laughs> Preach. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. Like, listen, listen to me, church. See, I want you all to be successful in whatever you want to do. And I wish I could give you a formula for success. I really do. I wish I could boil it all down and give you a formula for success, but I can't. 
but I can definitely give you a formula for failure. You ready? Here it is. Here's your, here's your, de- here's your definition. Here's your formula for failure. Just try to please everyone. Just try to please everyone. You can't do it. So you have to learn who you're going to ignore and who you're not going to ignore. Here's the third thing, and I'm done. Speak to your mountain. Speak to your mountain. Let me just, let me just tell you, because I grew up here, and it's, it's not okay to speak to yourself. <laughs> I was told that as a young, at a very young, do not, you, you can't talk to yourself. I have concluded, I don't have any scientific research for this, but I have concluded that it's perfectly fine to speak to yourself. Now, if you start answering yourself, there might be a problem. <laughs> you might need to check into the hospital if that's the case. But you, you speak to yourself. We got to understand the power of words. And if we understand the power of words, if we learn to monitor our mouths, if we learn to ignore our critics, then we need to actually leverage the power of words in our own lives for our own good. Some of you would come home and you'd say, I'm so exhausted. I don't think I can survive another week. My job is killing me. I'm not that good anyway. I'm probably just going to screw things up. I got a question for you. How is that person's week going to turn out? How about this? Instead of that, how about this? I may be exhausted. But the Bible tells me that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up, what? On wings. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not, what? Faint. How do you think that person's week is going to end up? Beloved, you are more powerful. Maybe a better way to put it is this. You have more power over your future than you have ever imagined. You know, when, I, when I was a kid, they don't do this anymore. But you remember you, when you used to listen to the, the radio or the television? At least I don't ever hear it anymore. You remember when they would break in for station identification? We're sorry we would like to interrupt this program for what? Station identification. How many of you remember that growing up, right? Right? Can I just break into your world for a moment with some station identification? You are a child of God. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You were so worthy and so valuable, I should say, that God died on a blood-stained cross for you You have more power if you leverage your words and his word in your life than you ever, ever imagined. If anyone says to this mountain, Mark 11, 23, read this out loud with me. Mark 11, 23, ready, go. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their hearts, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, was Jesus saying, go speak to a mountain and the mountains will get up in front of your eyes and move? I don't think so. Some of you like get hung up on that. Jesus was a master storyteller. He was a master at speaking in hyperbole. And what Jesus is saying to us is we need to learn to speak to our mountain instead of about our mountain. Come on now. Come on. Some of you, some of you, some of you, all you do is you speak about your mountain. And I hate to tell you this, and again, this might be a little rough for some of you, but a lot of people are tired of hearing you speak about your mountain. 
So, some of you, all you, you've ever, you ever been around somebody, all they do is, all they do is talk about their mountains, right? All they do is life is, woe is me. Sky's falling, right? Some of you need to not speak about your mountain. You need to learn to speak to your mountain. Come on, church. Some of you need to learn to speak to your mountain. I'm going to end with this story. Remember David and Goliath? Come on. David comes out there and he's facing big old Goliath. He could have spoken about Goliath. But instead, he started speaking to Goliath. And in verses 45 and 46, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you, what church? In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this Day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Now, now that's a great passage of scripture for men on Father's Day. Come on, men. We love that kind of passage, don't we? And you just keep reading in there and you go over to verse 51. And David, after he knocks him down, Some of you need to stop speaking so much about your mountain and speak words of victory to your mountain. This will change everything. What I'm actually unpacking for you is what scholars have called for a long time word faith doctrine. Listen to me. I'm not saying that whatever you declare in life, it's going to happen. In my opinion, a lot of people have unfaithfully used a healthy version of a word faith doctrine. I am not saying to you that your words have more power than God's plan. Listen closely. We got to get this right, church. God is sovereign. Amen. God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's ever-present. And God is in full control. I can't manipulate God with my words. However, when I speak words to my mountain, instead of always talking about my mountain, my life starts to line up with God's will. When I start to declare the words, and this is why you need to know the word. When I start to memorize the words of Scripture and I speak them over the mountains inside my soul, when I start to speak words of identity over me as opposed to believing the words that some folks have said about me. When I start to speak to mountains that are not inside of me but in front of me that line up with Scripture, my life starts to line up with the Word of God. When I am tempted to say, I have way too much to do, Lord. Stop and replace it with this truth. I am equipped and gifted by God. I am readily prepared to do everything God wants me to do. When you feel like you're just average or worse, and oh my Lord, I've been there with you. You call that thinking trash. You tell yourself, I am the workmanship 
of Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for me to do. When you feel like you're just too bad or God could never use you, you remind yourself this truth. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Born again. Eternity with God forever. You start speaking to your mountain instead of speaking about your mountain. And you watch God, come on, come on, start to move your mountains and make a way where there was once no way. Amen. 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 Pray with me. God, I want to thank you for your word that is so good. God, I, I'm just so grateful for what you've done and what you're doing in my life and so grateful for what you've done and what you're doing in the life of this church. God, I pray that every single person would leave here today reminded and renewed in the power of your words, God, and therefore that we would all go forth monitoring our mouths, God, understanding that every word that comes out of our mouths has the ability to give life or bring death. God, that you would give us wisdom to know which critics to listen to, the supporters, the objectors, and which critics to simply ignore because, God, you tell us in your word there are there are trolls, there are critics that come up against us. You had them, Jesus. So glad you ignored them. I'm so glad you, you kept your eyes fixed on the cross. Father, give us, give us the wisdom to speak your words over those obstacles, those challenges, those mountains that we face. Give us the wisdom and the ability to to use our tongues to leverage your word and the power of words, not just for the good of others. But God, thank you that we can tap into that same power source. That we can, we can leverage those words, not just for the good of others, but for ourselves, for our futures. God, we love you today. If you're here today at any of our campuses and you would just say, you know what? I've been challenged today. I've been convicted. I've, I've been encouraged and, and I'm going to start to monitor my mouth. I'm going to use my words for God's glory, for God's good. I'm going to speak them in my own life. I'm going to stiff arm and ignore voices that I shouldn't be listened to. If you're here and you just want to make a commitment to God Almighty, something powerful happens when we just simply raise up our hands. I can't quite explain it, but it's just powerful. I see them popping up here already, but I haven't even asked for it. If you're here and, and you would do that, just raise your hand right where you are at all of our campuses. Just lift them up. Just lift them up to say, God, I, I want to use my mouth for good. Just lift them up wherever you are. This is not salvation today. No, this is just, it's just commitment. God, I'm going to let you do work on the inside. Hands all over this place that, that you could speak through my mouth. 
Keep your hands up just all over our campuses. Maybe, maybe you just can't raise your hand, but you're in the moment with us. Maybe you're here and you need to ask forgiveness. Lord Jesus, would you forgive us? It's so easy to use our words for, for harm, for damage, for death. And so today, together as a movement, we lift our hands to say, we want to use our words for your glory. To build others up, to build ourselves up. This we pray together all over the movement. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.